0: So I'm speaking with composer Ronit Kirkman, whose versatility as a storyteller has landed her uh, titles uh, in addition to composer, such as music producer, uh, songwriter, singer, and multi-instrumentalist. Uh, you've heard her playing on scores such as The Finest Hours, Now You See Me, and, and Jezebel, and Ring of Fire. Uh, as a composer, she has been behind the scores for Zen and The Art of Dying, Finding Neighbors, The Skin I'm In, and many more. Her most recent score is for the critically acclaimed miniseries The Sinner, which is airing on USA, and stars... Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman, uh, Ronit, thank you so much for uh, speaking today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So to start off, I'd, I'd really love to know kind of how you found your uh, path into music and and at what point in your life did you kind of gravitate towards composing for visual media? Was it always a goal to compose for film and television or that kind of did you kind of discover that later on?
1: Um, well, I, I've uh, always been kind of immersed in music from a young age. I started playing violin when I was four Um, So that was the the start of my formal training. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting, I I unearthed some old recordings from my childhood, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I think I found some of the the secrets to uh, my chosen path as a film composer there. I had, it was, I was in a summer camp for uh, musical youth in middle school, and uh, I had roped a fellow pianist camper into an improvisation which was a narrative improvisation. I wrote some text and it was kind of a structured timeline and uh, there's kind of a basically a live score to the story that we performed. Wow
0: (laughs) that's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of wild to find it. So I mean I think on some level that um, kind of instinctual desire to blend stories and songs and music has always been there for me. Both um both the underscore and the songs. Um I remember uh as a kid being very drawn in by any kind of animated musical. Mm. Um I know it's it's kind of a very different genre from, for example, The Sinner, but um on some level I think just that thing of of having um story bring together all the senses, I think, has always been with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of the concrete professional stuff, um, after college, I went to Yale, and I was a classical violinist there and um, composing, and um, I started writing music for theater in New York. And I found, again, that that kind of environment where people who think in slightly different modes, we're working together to create something, um, like directors, actors, composer, um, that that felt very stimulating to me. And, um, you know, I, I think that was the, that kind of laid the groundwork for moving into film scoring.
0: Right, so when did you kind of make the transition to come to LA and, and just kind of go he- like head dive right into it?
1: Um. Well, I moved to LA uh, to go to grad school at CalArts. Mm. And I was in the, um, at the time it was called the Composition and New Media Program. So it was definitely there's a focus for me on algorithmic composition, some pretty esoteric computer music topics. Oh wow! Uh, the nice thing about the program there is you can really, um, you know, you're focused in something, but you're definitely encouraged and allowed to spread your wings in other areas too. So I was able to do a lot of improvisation. I played in groups with um, Wadada with Leo Smith and, um, you know, took Sargom and some West African music. And, wow. um, you know, there's so much going on there, even the things that you're not formally studying or influenced by. There's um, Balinese music and people playing Balkan music and Brazilian music. So um, that that was kind of what I was doing for grad school. And I think I felt so comfortable um, with the narrative collaboration thing that I, I kind of specifically kind of laid it out for myself that I was going to focus a lot on the, the nuts and bolts of different musical languages while I was in grad school. Um, but I started to score shorts, um, you know, right, kind of overlapping with that, that time period. And when I, when I finished grad school, I started, um, scoring shorts pretty much right away. So my my grad school focus and my my interest in film music were kind of um, happening at the same time, but uh, I guess culturally differentiated at the time.
0: Wow, yeah. So uh, uh, kind of growing up, did you kind of gravitate towards any uh, typical styles or or genres of music that kind of influenced your own style, any specific composers or musicians or singers? Um
1: well i I definitely am a believer that everything we take in everything we hear is an influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some threads um that you know kind of emerged early, like definitely my classical training is in my bones, you know from age zero through now <laughs> um, but i but at the same time, I always felt that um you know, there is, that wasn't it, you know, a lot of times in the classical education system, it's a, at least at the time that I was growing up, it was a little bit closed. I think it's opening up a lot more now. Mm. Um, but I found that I, you know, just like, you know, improvised in the blues and, and country music and, and rock and pop, all those things felt very natural to me. Um, and I also, at the same time, like certain, um you know, I'm not a huge fan of the word avant-garde, but mm-hmm. contemporary classical composers and experimental composers like Zenakis and Cage and uh, Ligeti, and you know, stuff that was uh, Schoenberg's, stuff that was very, you know, not in the tonal box and had kind of um, was about thinking about music in terms of uh, a little bit of a macro generative structure. Um, going beyond just, you know, you write a piece and you play it and it's, uh, you know, getting a little more philosophical about
0: it. Right.
1: I yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that appealed to me, you know, I remember sitting in the car and, you know, insisting that we stay on the really out there classical piece that no one wanted <laughs> 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 um, so, so, yeah, and then, you know, I've found, I have... I, a lot of it is like feel you find you resonate with things that you don't have a, an explanation for. Um, right, you know, yeah. um, you know, when I hear certain Malian artists like Amu Sangare, like it just sounds, um, you know, it like speaks to my soul. You know, there are things that I didn't grow up with, but feel somehow resonant. Um, so definitely jazz, just the, the, um, that the understanding in jazz, that the song is always evolving and, um, kind of, you're always thinking around it and recreating it. And I feel like jazz is just the way it is on some level. Like that's the mind, you know, every think about the song, we're replaying it in a different way. So, you know, all those things. Um, and I think the more I, um, you know, met people who were practicing in different styles and genres, I I'd, I'd kind of found more compatriots. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that in the, in my early years, um, y- you didn't see a lot of improvising violinists like that whole world was, um, felt kind of like not connected with a lot of the, the, the threads of things that interested me. Um, so um, it's been very heartening to see that I think a lot of threads are coming together in people's awareness now.
0: Absolutely, Music. yeah. Um, so let's, uh, when you went, let's talk about kind of your approach as a storyteller. Uh, when you, and this could be for any project, um, when you sit, when you're hired on a project and it's time to kind of write that first note, um, where does that first note come from? Like, what pulls that first idea? out of you? Do you usually look at kind of, do you like to read the script? Do you like to watch a first cut of the film? Do you like to just focus on the characters or anything particular that really kind of speaks to you?
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of diving in as, you know, as soon as I'm able, you know, and that depends. Sometimes people approach me and it's already a rough cut. Um, in the case of The Sinner, I did get to read the pilot script before it got shot oh
0: that's Uh, great yeah
1: and uh so there's something really cool about making you know and then i like to just start i'm immediately kind of taking notes into my phone and like setting up palettes and trying out stuff and some of that uh material i i end up carrying forward into the project and some not but I, i just feel like um the more you know Drive space is cheap, right these days. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So it's like there's no reason to not just like engage and start making stuff as part of thinking about it. Um, And it's I I love the that little open window before there's footage just to kind of feel the void a little bit.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um,
1: It becomes definitely much more concrete and I think easier to know. which ideas are gonna fit in the world once you see footage and performances? Um, like it it does end up being a really concrete product, and that matters. Um, but it's it's definitely enjoyable to have a little um, kind of free roaming time with the script beforehand if it's possible.
0: right. Um, so let's talk about the center. When you came onto this uh, miniseries, what were the, I guess, the initial discussions of of what the music should be, what the score should be, and I guess what was your goal for what you wanted to do, or what you ended up doing musically.
1: Well, it's kind of cool because Derek, the showrunner, um, you know, what he was looking for um, musically is kind of a zone where I really enjoy operating. Like he wanted not to go totally conventional, uh, but he still wanted um, it to be an entertaining uh, show to watch. So kind of playing with convention and occasionally going outside the box, um, having kind of a contemporary sound, um, interesting timbres created from scratch, a hybrid of um, electronic sounds and acoustic uh, sounds, but again, kind of looking for extended techniques or timbres that are not kind of, uh, that usual. Right. Um, all with, you know, the nice thing is not just kind of like, just cause, but, um, in large part, because hopefully that'll have the desired effect of, um, people, paying attention when they're watching, not necessarily knowing what they're going to hear next or see next. Um, And also, you know, with all that said, also being able to tap into the emotion of certain moments for sure. Um, So it's, it's kind of, there are a few roles that the music ends up playing. And I think that that was clear from the beginning, Um, you know, definitely pacing and, 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 Kind of overall mood but also a window into the inner lives of the characters
0: right and yeah of course and uh, the you know our main protagonist is Cora played by Jessica Biel and I love kind of the yeah the style the electronic acoustic uh style you went with for the score and you know something about the music just felt very psychological to me and it complements I think her journey uh, was she a kind of a an interesting character to to crack musically
1: yeah um for you know for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, one one is that she, uh, the layers of opacity um, to us and herself, um, and, you know, I, in preparing, you know, I obviously have been reading scripts ahead, I, I read the book, I, I know the outlines of um, how the plot develops, even though there are definitely significant differences between the book and the, the series. Right. Um, but kind of playing with um what we can sense from the outside and maybe what's going in uh, going on inside as uh distinct or um hidden from that um you know i don't know that there's a cue for cue translation that i could give you of that Mm -hmm. but that it um informs my choices um even you know when she's there there are interesting discussions we had around i don't want to be spoilers but this episode has aired for example so it's probably okay to talk about it sure um, you know in episode 2 she she tells a story that feels like it's true and she's revealing something and it turns out that it's kind of partially a lie at least partially <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the question of how um how much to uh, go with her story on that was a discussion we had. And I think in the end we, we did kind of go on the ride with her and um, I think that was the right choice because then it is quite a shock to find out that it's not true. Right. Like very alienating actually, if you're going with the character on, you know, this tall, what ends up being a tall tale, that's very emotional Um and you're moved by it and you feel for her and then you find out that she lied, then you feel distanced from her. Um, and I, I know that, you know, reading some, I try not to read too many reviews while I'm working, but some critical and some fan responses of like, oh, I don't know if I like her, you know? Um, and I think that that, um, in a way the show's all about that, getting on board with that, like how, how well do you know people? Um, and, that distancing and um coming closer that happens uh it's kind of amplified in a disturbing way in this series but it's kind of one of the facts of relationships in general i think
0: right um so since this is a mini series you know it's eight episodes and it has a conclusion um did you kind of approach this uh are you approaching it i guess one episode at a time or did you kind of look at did you get a kind of a a sense of the arc of all eight episodes and kind of structured the score, kind of like one big kind of film in a way.
1: Well, um, I mean, a little, a little bit of both in that I'm, I'm reading the scripts ahead and I've been watching episodes ahead. Um, The, the uh, final episodes were, you know, it just wrapped not long ago, so it wasn't, to literally see cuts for everything from the very beginning but it was possible to know um, the basics right so um, in terms of literally writing cues for later on episodes the schedule didn't totally allow for that up front I I kind of um you know did a little bit on episodes two and three while I was working you know finishing up the the pilot. Um, but then, you know, things kind of mushed into a very compressed schedule where you're like turning around an episode a week. So, right. um...
0: yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. TV, TV schedules are, are brutal. <laughs>
1: um, but that said, like we, we talk about, um, how we're setting things up for episode seven, you know, even though we haven't completed it yet. Right. So, um, it's definitely in terms of the, structural and conceptual planning definitely it is happening in terms of the arc then the kind of Q by Q writing is happening more kind of in the flow of the production schedule
0: right so for for the show and and kind of in general for the whole experience has anything been kind of that you found to be a particular challenge as a composer to to tackle or something that kind of maybe threw you for your loop that you had to kind of think about a couple times before you kind of found the answer um,
1: I think like the, the biggest challenge and joy at the same time right. is, the, <laughs> Um, I know that that might be a common way to start this answer, but it actually really is true in this case. Um, the, the tonal balance is like, we're calibrating it with very, very, very fine gradations. So, um, I think that's, that's been the, the kind of biggest, uh, yeah, that's been the biggest challenge and, mm-hmm. and thing to, into. Um, and I don't know, I guess like baseline, I am, of, you know, like the reason why we get into this kind of uh, business is cause we don't mind doing a V2 to find The right fit, you know, so it's part of the process. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't get like to me like, oh, like we need to hone in even more on just the right color. To me, it's kind of part of why I'm in it in the first place. So I don't find that um, like a bummer. Oh it's, no, yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> but but I think tone, especially on a show like this, where it's such a heavy subject matter, it's I feel like it could be if very easy to do too much musically. That's it, to find a kind of a, a good balance of what the music is doing and not overdoing it and overplaying things. So I'm, I'm sure that was a challenge, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, um, yeah, and it's uh, kind of along the lines of what I was telling you about with uh that that cue from episode two. It's just like figuring out when we want to be really with the characters POV when we want to pull back a little bit, when we want to drive, even pacing wise, Mm. lay back. Um, so yeah, so that's fun.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess on the other side of it, what was the most rewarding thing about the project uh, for you personally?
1: Um, I mean, you know, it's a, it's the number one show uh, on cable so far this year. So knowing that, um, you know, whatever, 4 million people are seeing it every week, that's definitely, uh, you know, a larger audience than I've had in the past, and that's very gratifying, just because I love, like, you know, the idea that people are getting into the story, and and, um, I know when I'm really into a show, it adds to my life, you know, so um, in in my very kind of, um, uh, you know, world of the imagination way like the idea that maybe i'm kind of adding something fun to to millions of people's weeks is cool
0: (laughs) yeah that's cool and you're you're doing that and 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 congrats yeah on the it's it's critically acclaimed and and everyone's loving it so that's such a congratulations on on the whole team of you know the show team coming together to make such a great great show
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's really great to be a part of it i was gonna say like you know the team the whole production team is um, so dedicated to making each show as great as can be. That's um, just, you couldn't ask for a better um, attitude or work environment in that sense. So um, awesome. I would yeah. say that's also, you know, that's kind of part of the package. I would say that's a, a big part of what I'm enjoying as well. It's just like, Game spirit <laughs>
0: um well to wrap things up i always like to ask composers uh this one question if you could uh score a film any film ever made pretending mm-hmm. the original score never existed you know no no offense to the original composer what movie would you pick
1: uh um let me think do
0: i have a moment yeah Maybe... take take your time <laughs> i've had i've had people you know pause it's... for like two minutes <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> um hmm
0: I guess the idea of the question is what what kind of playground would you like to play in? what like
1: uh, This is gonna sound a little insane. Uh-huh. Because, like, I I I'm you know, the first thing that popped into my mind is something that it's like you'd wanna score it, but of course you'd never play the score for anybody because it's iconic and right. but like <laughs> but like I think it would be amazing to rescore Star Wars for my own uh kicks you know
0: for yeah, great answer
1: <laughs> um, as i said you know like that's uh that would be something that i kept in my studio but um but yeah i just think i think that the probably i thought of it just because it's so so iconic and so um part of our mythical consciousness right that, that would be a great challenge um just to see you know I think it's it's so burned in that it would be a challenge to open open one's mind to hear something new there. So that exactly, yeah,
0: cool it would be interesting just to try to come at it at a clean slate. When you, I mean, you can't really separate it from John Williams' score, but it's a <laughs> it'd be a great playground to play in for sure. <laughs> Um, Well, Rani, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It was such a a pleasure to chat with you and and kind of get into your process. And congrats on the success of the Center. and, And I just can't wait to hear what comes next.
1: Thank you so much, Kai. It's been really fun.